This is the Happy Are You Poor podcast, discussing topics related to radical Christian community. This is your host, Malcolm Schlenderfritz. My guest today is Jerry Martins. He is a member of the Family Missions Company and is currently visiting the Alleluia community in Georgia, which we covered in an earlier episode. Hi, Jerry. We're so glad to have you join us. Thanks, Malcolm. It's a blessing to join you today. Yeah, so before we uh, get started, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you uh, were introduced to Family Missions Company? Uh, so, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, yeah, I was born and raised Catholic, um, and uh, me and my wife, she was also raised Catholic, and uh, we were in Mumbai, India. That's where we were from. And in around 2014, we were out in the mountains visiting, and uh, we were on a vacation there and almost the last day of our three-day trip we were told by this couple that was in the room opposite us that there was a retreat going to happen in that exact same place where we were vacationing a month later and it was actually family missions company coming to do the retreat so we ended up going we had this real uh, deep desire to go and we went for that retreat and we had a life-changing experience at that retreat um, a dramatic conversion experience, and we came back to our faith in a in a really profound way. Uh, went back home, went back to confession after almost twelve years. Uh, picked up our Bibles, which at that point had been collecting dust in the house. And as we started reading the Bible, uh, scripture started you know jumping out at us and speaking to us. And the following year, we ended up coming for training in Louisiana, where Family Missions Company is based for training. And uh, life has never been the same again. Yeah, I imagine. Could you tell me, you know, like coming from India to the United States, what um, what really struck you about any differences in Catholicism as practiced or envisioned uh, there as opposed to here? Yeah, so even when we first joined Family Missions Company, it was really, you know, it was a surprise for us. Uh, we never expected to, you know, come across an American organization, which, you know, we would be drawn into to serve the Lord. So that itself was a surprise to begin with. And then having come here, it has been it has been fascinating. Uh, things that we never see in the mainstream media, especially about faith and Catholicism, you know, in, in India, uh, really spoke to us in, in so many different ways. And just that the faith is alive and kicking here in the United States has, uh, has been a blessing to see. Uh, and just the diversity also. One unique thing that obviously is uh, part of, you know, Catholicism is wherever you go, whether it's in India, whether it's in the Philippines, whether it's in Mexico and Europe, uh, the, the liturgy is the same. You know, you're able to uh, plug right in. The language might be different, um, whether it's Tagalog or Visayan in the Philippines or Hindi uh, or any of the other regional languages in India or even, you know, Spanish in Mexico. You're still able to know that the mass is going to be the same and you can follow the mass parts. Uh, and so the same here in the United States. It's awesome to see that wherever you go uh, throughout the United States, uh, a mass in the Catholic Church is the same. Yeah, that kind of unity and diversity that the church can have, that all these different groups can make the church their own, and yet it's the same church. That is a very beautiful thing. With Family Missions Company, can you tell us a little bit more about its founding and its mission? So yeah, around 40 years ago, Frank uh, Summers and Jeannie Summers were the founders um, that's when they kind of started going out on mission, but they had a little bit of a backstory. Frank, Mr. Frank uh, was, uh, you know, uh, a go-getter lawyer by profession. He was uh, well-studied. His father was the chief justice of the Louisiana Supreme Court at that point, and he was on a really good career track and really pursuing his job. 
uh, and his wife was a uh, you know a, a journalist uh, and so they were kind of looking at their individual careers but their marriage was almost falling apart and they were really close to a divorce and in the midst of all of that one day the lord just when he was in one of his lowest moments the lord just appeared to him and said you know i'm ready to help you but you got to uh, you got to change your life and so he went to confession literally that same night uh, and he had been contemplating suicide uh, went to confession the lord turned him around his wife almost was kind of skeptical to believe him but she gave him a chance and then you know they had a conversion experience together as a family the lord brought them uh, back to a, a, a better marriage and through that they discovered the charismatic renewal which had kind of just started uh, beginning you know in uh, throughout the united states and also in louisiana so they plugged into that and uh, over time the lord just called them just deeper into their faith walk um, he asked them to give up everything so they actually sold all their belongings and they were looking at uh, going into mission which was pretty unique because there were not many catholic families doing that and the lord gave them visions and places to go and all of that and everything worked out and eventually they went to uh, quite a few places before they actually settled down in louisiana after a few years and around 1997 is when they started family missions company to train other people singles and families that wanted to do the same thing within the catholic church you know it's kind of amazing how large is the family missions company and where do they primarily operate today so we have uh, quite a big organization we also count our kids as missionaries so we have around 300 uh, missionaries on an average and uh, our base is in Abbeville, Louisiana, but we also have missionaries um, in faraway countries as uh, Taiwan. We have people in the Philippines. Um, we have people in Peru, in Ecuador, in Costa Rica, in Mexico. So really in diverse places all around the world. And there's, you know, there's more missionaries. Obviously, we had a little bit of a break uh, because of COVID the last couple uh, years. But uh, things are starting to get back again up, and we have uh, an intake plan for this year again. And, you know, when you were, when, as you've been working with them now, uh, where did you go and, and what were you uh, doing in, in the missions? So, yeah, it's very diverse wherever you go. Uh, wherever we go, we always ask the blessing of our bishop, you know, in that particular diocese. Uh, and then it can look very different from place to place. Uh, we So we were initially sent to the Philippines, which was really brief. We were there for just two months. And then when we came back, we felt the Lord saying to stay here in the United States. Uh, and uh, our two main focal points as FMC missionaries is to evangelize, that is preaching the gospel. And the second part is to serve the poor. And so between those two charisms, we really seek, uh, you know, seek to do that as uh, our primary responsibility. And then between the other things, the Lord can call us to plug into different kinds of ministries in, in places like Mexico, where there's not many sacraments available, you'll see missionaries taking out, you know, uh, uh, communion to do communion services uh, to faraway ranchos. Uh, but if you're in Taiwan, for example, and there's a lot of university students, you might have a group of single missionaries doing, you know, uh, campus ministry. Mm -hmm. So it has been diverse and different in different places. Yeah. What are the kind of the key uh, aspects of the spirituality that informs uh fmc what what are the what are the kind of the, the key principles that they would try and teach people uh so yeah one of the things we we really want to encourage discipleship wherever we go we want to get people into a relationship with jesus so that being said and kind of just uh, as i mentioned frank and Jeannie so uh, summers were really uh you know uh brought into the faith and a lot of their spirituality was blessed by the charismatic renewal that was just kind of starting off so a lot of our spirituality is very charismatic. It's very open to the Holy Spirit and very docile to the Holy Spirit. 
and uh, we are very itinerant so wherever the holy spirit calls us we will go uh, and again just being open to what the lord wants and what a bishop wants in that particular region we are open to whatever the lord wants us to do so in that sense yeah we are really open and docile to the holy spirit that's uh, a, an episode we just published um a couple probably about a week ago we were interviewing someone from madonna house and okay that same theme came up about how one has to be open to the spirit instead of really scripting uh, what things are going to look like ahead of time. You have to, you know, make decisions at some point, but if okay. someone is too scripted out, uh, you might be missing what God's trying to say. Right. And that's uh, exactly what Pope Francis seems to be doing right now with the church, you know, and even his predecessors uh, really being open to the move of the Holy Spirit and how we need to be really docile to what God is doing in this particular time and age and being flexible in that particular sense. Uh, we have structures and obviously we want to fit in within those structures, but at the same time, not letting those things keep us tied down, but letting God come in uh, and opening the door to him. Yeah, I know that uh, po- uh, voluntary poverty is a big part of the emphasis of FMC. Can you talk a little bit about how, uh, what your experience is with voluntary poverty as a family? It has been great. Um, uh, one of the key things that, you know, when we were feeling called to serve Jesus, especially as uh, missionaries, as family missions company, uh, we really saw this call from the Lord, even from scripture, to just lay down everything and to be uh, trusting in his providence that when he calls, for example, in scripture, the, the apostles and the disciples, he says, you know, and he sends them out, he says to not take anything with them. And the reason for that is to be able to trust in his providence and his uh, providing for each and every need that we're going to need encounter on the mission field. So we've really seen that coming from uh, a country like uh, India and Asia, uh, we could, couldn't really match up to the economy here. And so we've really seen the Lord provide for so many different things, whether it was, you know, airfare cost or whether it was cost for, you know, uh, a, a growing family. We have five kids now. Uh, everything that we've needed, the Lord has provided. Even in uh, in terms of furniture for our house, where we set it up a new mission house, the Lord has provided even those things. So it's just been awesome to see that when you uh, get rid of things uh, for the Lord and you get rid of even relationships, uh, because there's a different kind of poverty even in that, the Lord is really true to what he says, that when you give up all these things for me, I'm going to give you, whether it's uh, mother, father, brother, sister, houses or lands, everything is provided when you serve him. So it's just been, and one of our charisms too, as you know, as family missions company uh, missionaries, we, we uh, like you rightly mentioned, we uh, uh, embrace gospel poverty. And so we, I love this quote from Father Dubé. We are to be head over heels in love for God. We are to be so in love that we sing to him in our hearts always and everywhere. Every fiber of our being, heart, soul, and mind is to become holy love. People in love are not much concerned with things. They are person-oriented, not thing-centered. A consumerist is not in love. So yeah, that's that's part of one of our charisms, which is to embrace gospel poverty. I've been thinking a lot lately about that um, way that poverty can make you have to trust in God a little more instead of, you know, feeling in control of things, which is which right. is you know I'm not saying it's always a pleasant feeling to not feel in control of things. It's certainly not at times, but but it is you know like being in control all the time doesn't seem very compatible with the gospels emphasis on on trusting the lord for the daily bread right and you see jesus constantly calling you know in 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 scripture like this this higher standard to even his own disciples like you know you see all these miracles 
Uh, and so you got to really be trusting in the Lord that he's going to provide for you. And, uh, and, and the same thing is as we kind of create disciples, we really need to give them this trust and uh, this surrender almost to the Lord, knowing that he is so much bigger than us and that, you know, whatever we can plan, whatever we can think up, uh, God is bigger than that. And we, you know, the, the more we leave control to God, the more able, he is able to work and the more miraculous our lives are going to look like. With, uh, you know, and you are mentioning another thing, you know, like we're supposed to be uh, God-centered and person-centered instead of thing-centered. And that's right. another interesting point that uh, discussed on this uh, podcast before, but that if we have, if we're not living out some measure of voluntary poverty, uh, we're unlikely to be able to do community well. Wealth seems to tend to insulate people from one another. And so without, right. without right. at least some amount of poverty, community probably won't succeed. And that's true uh, because then, you know, when you're not people centered, uh, all your material wealth comes to, comes in into the foreground and you kind of it's almost like it blocks your spirituality, it blocks the way you're able to connect with the Lord. It's uh, so if you as Christians, as you're called to serve, the, serve God and to serve neighbor, um, you know, our material possessions tend to almost come and become that big uh, stumbling block for us. And unless we have that conversion of heart, um, you know, to see that these things are essentially leading us to a worldly kind of life uh, and doesn't, it takes us away from the Lord almost and it is a block. So unless we can get rid of that, uh, we can't go deeper into our faith walk. We can't love the Lord more uh, wholeheartedly and we can't love our neighbor as ourselves. And then what, you know, what have you learned about, uh, you know, the importance of Christian community just with your experience in uh, uh, FMC and also, um, one, one thing I'm kind of curious about, you know, here in the United States, I think one of the big problems with the Catholic Church is that it's not very community centered. I mean, I've heard of people who actually leave the Catholic Church for various Protestant denominations because those denominations have more of a community feel. You know, at a Catholic parish, it's easy just to walk in, sit in a pew and do that Sunday after Sunday and never have any sense of, of community. Um, was that different at all in India, in, in the Catholic Church there? Um, it depends from place to place. There were parts of India too where, you know, I had a similar experience. You can walk into a parish and you could go in uh, week after week and maybe sometimes nobody will notice you at all. So, and again, it's the it's the experience of how a particular parish is intentional about it. And we've noticed the same thing here in the United States too. You could walk into a parish and if uh, the people are just not focused intentionally on building community, you could just be lost in in the crowds that go in and out of the door every week and uh, and and that culture tends to kind of cycle through again and again um, but i've seen parishes that are quite the opposite where people are intentional about building relationship they're very welcoming they'll seek you out they want to know your name they want to know if you were gone for a few weeks what happened where were you were you on vacation or were you not well and so i think it's that intentionality of you know what jesus calls us to to be as disciples to be intentional and seek out the person to go after the lost sheep, um, when we have that within us and in our communities, then it's noticeable. And there's a difference. And like you rightly said, people can oftentimes leave uh, our churches, our walls, just because they've not felt welcome there, because uh, you know they've not welcomed the stranger. Because sometimes a new face shows up, and if you're if you're very clickish, people are gonna sense that right away, and you're gonna lose uh, that particular person. Sometimes people don't even go back to church altogether because they say Christians are just you know focused in their own little bubble mm -hmm. uh, so no that's a good observation and i think that's what the pope has also been calling us to be we need to be a field hospital not to be clubs 
uh, I was listening listening to some priests who were doing a podcast and they were talking about people who go through RCIA, and um, they said within a year half of them have left the church because you know they go through the RCIA and it's all presented as you know, like this great thing, and then they get off RCIA right. and it's like now what you know like right. well you know right. just keep showing up every Sunday that's about all there is to it, and um, it's disappointing it's a letdown. So they're saying it's not really surprising right. that, but they're saying like, what on earth do you tell these people? Like, you know, like they said, even like sometimes people come to them and it's like, well, you know, I mean, I guess you could join the Knights of Columbus, which, you know, like the Knights of Columbus are great, but for a lot of people, they're not a fit. Like there's not, at many parishes, there's nothing to plug people into, no way to uh, integrate them into a community because the community just isn't, isn't there really. Right. Uh, I think so. One of the things we've been on this journey since coming back from that, you know, we mentioned we were in the Philippines for around a couple of months. And when we came back uh, to the United States, one of the things that the Lord has really been asking us to focus on is the book of Acts and that community aspect, but also how they were so led by the Holy Spirit. And when you have that life where you bring in the tangible presence of the Lord, obviously you're breaking bread together and you're receiving Jesus at, you know, your community gathering of the celebration of the Eucharist of the Mass. But also when you go, you receive the Eucharist and you go out and the priest says, you know, go, you are sent. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to be evangelistic now. Uh, and even with FMC, when we first heard that in, I, in that, that retreat I mentioned, where we were told about the Great Commission, that every single baptized person by virtue of his baptism is supposed to be missionary. Those things were key transformative moments for us and really renewed our own mind as a family but also how we need to bring that to every single you know, uh, person within our communities to know that they are evangelistic, that they have a role within the church. It's not that you come just every Sunday, you receive your sacraments and you go, and that's the end of it. It's something that you need. You're uh, an active aspect of this organism called the church, the bride of Christ. And each single member is unique and wanted and has a role to play. And, and that you need to be open to the working of the Holy Spirit, just like when Jesus left and he said, you know, wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you at Pentecost. And then they were unleashed. And, and you see the transformation in the church after that. And somehow we almost lost that aspect of being spirit led and working, you know, through the Holy Spirit to bring new people into the church and to also keep them plugged in. Uh, and to some extent, I think we kind of are going back to that moment where in the Acts, it was like this pagan land. And now we're going back to that same kind of a culture that we're encountering um, around us. And we really need to see that come back alive where we are back uh, in this environment of, you know, really following the Holy Spirit's lead to bring people back within the church and outside the church into a fuller relationship with the body of Christ. Are you familiar with um, the work of Sherry Weddle? A little bit, yeah. yes. Yeah, I have read her first, you know, Forming Intentional Disciples. Yeah, yes. you know, like that was, uh, her books were very uh, eye-opening for me, I guess, because, you know, she focuses right. on the fact, yeah, we're all, you know, like we're called to be participants. It's not, there's no spectators in the Catholic Church. But right. because right. Um, we just have done a really bad job um, educating and, and producing that kind of mentality are the charisms that we all get, whatever they might be. I mean, they're different. Not everyone is called, say, to, to a pastorship or preaching kind of uh, missionary activity. Right. I, I, uh, it gets, um, it's funny because whenever I talk about missionary activities, people are like, well, like, I'm definitely not called to go and, you know, evangelize because uh, evangelism came to be seen, I think, as kind of like either either what a priest did or like what a lay apologist did, you know, debate Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> 
right. those were the two right. models. And like, if you didn't feel called to either one of those things, then obviously like you weren't called to evangelize. And so to try to, to wake you up to the fact that no, like there's so many different ways that the spirit manifests in people's lives and that right. every one of us has a gift to bring, to build up the church. And we can't, we can't shirk that uh, responsibility. If we're going to be full members, we can't just say, well, you know, we get kind of, can get kind of a consumptive mentality. It's like, I'm a good Catholic because I consume so much. I'm a good Catholic because I go to mass uh, every week or even every day. And I have all these prayers. Like I, I take all this stuff in, but as Christ said, you know, like, where's the fruit? Uh, you're, you're right. a good Catholic right. insofar as you bear fruit uh, for the kingdom, which will look, which fruit will look different depending on your charism, but it has to right. be there. Right. Right. So yeah, that's, that's a key aspect. And I think that's a good way to, uh, you know, uh, have people even kind of look over how how fruitful are you being now that you're plugged in uh, because and that's the other thing like you even mentioned the RCI program we can take people through the RCI and then leave them and that's where that uh, gap is because you know once they're plugged into the the regular mainstream church there's like okay so what's next like how am I using these uh, blessings of being within this community? to affect other people. And I think that's the part. You don't have to be missionary in the sense of going out, you know, to China or to uh, Taiwan or to uh, Peru or Ecuador. You can be a missionary within your own community because we've noticed this even just now within the last few years of serving here in the United States. Uh, and Sherry points out in her book too, a lot of the people within our pews are not evangelized. The people who are in uh, important roles within the hierarchy of the church within a parish too are not sometimes evangelized. They don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. And if they don't, how are we going to spread that culture of knowing Jesus if we, the people who are welcoming people into the uh, doors of the church, are themselves not, you know, knowing Jesus personally? So, yeah, you're right. Uh, in a way, we need to kind of encounter Jesus ourselves, but we also need to share that encounter with others. And that has to be evident in the fruit that we have. And that, like you said, it, it's going to look different for different people, whether it's a charism of hospitality or whether it's a charism of, you know, uh, uh, greeting people at the door uh, in a church or whether it's even just going from door to door within the parish. You don't have to go even to the na neighboring state over. You could just be going door to door to different people in your with, in your same parish and just saying, hey, have you uh, have you heard of St. Joe's or have you heard of St. Matthew's Parish and we are from there and have has someone served you? And if they say we're not, you know, you at least know where they go to church or if they even know, if they even have encountered Jesus. So just small little steps, but uh, but yeah, the, this, that fruit has to be evident in some little way. Yeah, I remember Sherry Weddle quoted uh, Benedict XVI talking about baptized pagans, as they call it. You know, like we right. we somehow right. managed in the church to get into this idea, you know, like baptism, I mean, it's, it's a great thing, right? Um, but that it needs to be built on, it needs to be um, lived out. It's not some kind of magic. It's like, well, now, but great, we got them baptized. Um, and but because of that, we have kind of this this lack such that so many people who are baptized have never managed to really claim what's theirs, their birthright, never managed to live out of that uh, baptism. And that's that's like, according to Sherry Weddle and according to, then to Pope Benedict, who was pointing out, that's kind of like a great challenge of the for the church today. You know, like how to um, remedy this, how to awaken this all these latent uh, gifts and possibilities in all of these people. Right. So one of the things we really found to be effective, and I know Sherry mentions it in her book, is the Alpha program. And I know there's a Catholic equivalent because Alpha is ecumenical in origin, 
but there's also Christ Life, which kind of uses similarities to Alpha. And there's, I guess, a bunch of other programs since then that have now developed that use the Alpha model, where you kind of show people these different videos. So it's, it's a great tool of evangelism because it's actually meant for the unchurched. But we've seen it do amazing fruit even within the church itself. Uh, so Alpha uses a model where you kind of uh, you eat a meal together, you watch a video, and then there's this discussion. And built into the the whole alpha structure is a weekend where you actually pray for people to be baptized or, or filled, refilled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we've just seen amazing fruit where people come alive and, you know, they kind of uh, are aware of uh, the work of the Holy Spirit within their life and are able to then plug into so many different aspects of church life. Um, and even something now that we are involved in as a family, uh, part of our mission here as Family Missions Company in Augusta, Georgia, with the Alleluia community is to start an encounter school. And I'm not sure if you've heard of encounter ministries, uh, but their, uh, their whole goal is to really bring uh, people within the Catholic Church alive to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So they actually have a two-year school of ministry, which is part of their uh, encounter ministry program, to awaken within the, the average Catholic you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So they teach people how to do prophecy, uh, uh, pray for physical healing, pray for inner healing, um, and just ev advanced evangelistic techniques of how to go out on the street and to bring people that may know Jesus in some way or may totally not know Jesus, but to really go out and be evangelistic, just like the apostles did in the book of Acts. Yeah, how did you, uh, how, you know, you mentioned that you're currently visiting the Alleluia community. How did you become connected to them? So we were originally, uh, I was actually a student of the School of Spiritual Direction that they host in uh, in the community here. And I was first connected to them uh, through Mike and Beth Foreman, who are actually the directors of that Spiritual Direction School. They had come down to Louisiana to do a training program for uh, our missionaries. And they mentioned about their school. And eventually I was able to start the school in 2017. I graduated after three sessions in 2019, thought I would never come back because we were up in Wisconsin at that point, uh, serving there. But then as we were discerning where we had to go next, uh, we felt the Lord strongly call us back here. So a few months later, we ended up actually coming and discerning here whether we could come back. And uh, the leadership of the Alleluia community uh, was really open to that. Our own uh, leadership at Family Missions Company was open. And part of our uh, kind of... Uh, goal was to ask them if they would be open to even this encounter school that we were kind of trying to bring as part of our mission here. And that was also a yes. So we eventually ended up moving here in June of last year. And we're almost on the verge of, you know, this encounter satellite campus starting here in this fall, uh, which will begin September 17th next month. And what will the, the encounter ministry do then? So we'll have so this year actually encounters starting almost uh, 15 plus satellites, not only in the United States, but also internationally in Canada, Ireland and Australia. And like I said, the whole goal of encounter ministries is to really bring people alive in their gifts in the Holy Spirit and just to teach the average person in the pew, you know, uh, who they are in Christ, their identity. And then uh, from all of that identity as a son and daughter of God, uh, how you can really be alive in the Holy Spirit. So yeah, yeah. What is your what is your experience been with the Alleluia community? I mean, I know we talked to Dan Elmeter um, a couple of months ago yeah. back, back about them, but like, what, yeah, because a new person joining uh, this community, what has your experience of them been? So when we first came, uh, we came kind of in the middle of a lot of things being, you know, fluid because of COVID, things were like not really open. 
but people were really open to us coming here. Uh, one of the big things even for Alleluia now is they've really been called to be evangelistic and mission oriented because they've been a community here and it's almost like, you know, the, the call on their lives is to be an oasis, a place of refuge where people could come and, you know, be filled up and send out. But they've also been feeling the call to be more evangelistic in their own community life and to be more evangelistic in general. That's uh, one of the call, uh, calls that Pope Francis has been making to the Global Charismatic uh, Renewal. And so when we moved in here initially, uh, obviously, like I said, things were a little bit shut down, but people were very welcoming. They, you know, they had meals for us. Even when we had our baby in December, uh, they have smaller groups called support groups and people really went out of their way to make sure we had, you know, whatever we needed, especially in terms of meals and everything. And even when we moved here last year, we barely had uh, any kind of furniture because as missionaries, you don't go traveling with a bunch of things. So people went out of their way to make sure that we had things in the house, that we had furniture, that we had, you know, uh, uh, upholstery and all those other different things, uh, utensils, everything was taken care of. And the Lord really has provided through Christian community. So it has been a blessing to move here and to just see the welcome uh, of different people from within the community to our family. Yeah, you know, one of the drawbacks, I think, that I sometimes hear about communities is that sometimes it can be hard for a newcomer to break in. I mean, we were talking about that with the church in general through RCIA, and in a sense, intentional community is supposed to remedy that problem to provide the community aspect that's so often missing, but community itself can be kind of hard to uh, break into. You know, you've got any thoughts, you know, as yourself, you know, someone who's joining a long-established community, how can communities um, avoid that happening? How can communities be really good at welcoming in uh, new members. I think Alleluia does a great job at that. You know, when somebody new comes in, they, like I mentioned uh, uh, just now, they have support groups. And so people really are plugged into a support group. And that, that small support group really takes care of a lot of your initial needs of welcoming you, of plugging you into the life of the community, of just offering you a structure where you can, you know, if you, you need something, you can call somebody up and you have like a group of people that will respond to your immediate needs. And they also are part of who introduce you to the wider community. And I think that's something that the wider church could really look at is to have, and I know some of the churches uh, do a good job about having small groups uh, or intentional discipleship groups where they plug people into as soon as they join a parish or a community. But I think that's key because when you involve people into something and you make them feel welcome and you say, hey, you know, this is something that we're doing. We have meals. We do things for our kids. Just getting them involved into those activities and then also building up uh, their faith life because a lot of these support groups then offer, you know, discipleship training or they give you talks on uh, your faith. And just being able to plug them first in a smaller group within the wider context of the wider community or the church offers them that initial support that they need and that sense of being welcome. Hey, I'm not a stranger. These people really care about me and they're intentionally involved in my life. Um so, yeah, I think that's a great thing. Alleluia does do a great job about it. Um, and and so does Family Missions. I think in that initial structure that we have for training, they're very intentional in building those, you know, those. Uh, we have meals, like almost during the entire training uh, that we have in Louisiana, all the meals are together. You know, you do prayer time together and you're able to really know one another in a deeper, much more intentional way. One of the difficulties sometimes in community is that um, there can be a conflict between focusing on one's family and focusing on the community that they can sometimes pull in different directions. What has your experience of that been? I think it has been great. Um, and 
even as we are kind of growing into this ourselves, you know, because like I mentioned, our conversion experience wasn't that long ago. And it's in 2014 is when we had our own personal conversion or coming back to our faith experience. Um, it has really been cool to see how both at Family Missions Company and also at Alleluia, there's a strong emphasis on, you know, your family comes first and that's your primary vocation. And everything else is is there beyond that. But at the same time, having a healthy balance between first making sure everything for your family is taken care of and then also at the same time being able to plug into community life and the availability of support uh, in both these groups has been really uh, encouraging and really helpful to that. If you know, you can also reach out to people and say, hey, I'm struggling with this particular thing. Like, how can I deal with this, whether it's family stuff and then how to also then uh, integrate it within the community aspect of things. Uh, for example, Alleluia also has uh, this teaching on subsidiarity and solidarity. And so, you know, you, your family unit is really the first place where things are dealt with, at least at that local micro unit. And then you have the larger group uh, dynamics of the larger community. So, no, it has been really great. And it's also good to learn these things, um, especially as we're growing into these fields of community life. You know, so, uh, you know, for those who are not maybe called to join something like the Alleluia community, what can they do? Is is there anything that you've seen in different places that can help them to build a community where they are at? You know, what what can they do to find um, that community that you really need to help live out the Christian life? One thing that Alleluia has done, and I know a bunch of other communities also here in the United States, really help people kind of by encouraging them, by mentoring them. Uh, by you know you can also reach out to a community that you know of if you even if you don't want to move for example to Alleluia or to Augusta is to reach out to a community and say hey we want to do something similar to what you guys are doing and maybe also ask for someone to help them to mentor them uh, but also the first place I think I would start with is you know finding a group of like-minded people even within your area and saying hey let's do this together let's live intentionally for the Lord and be all in for the Lord. And so just finding that group and then looking for the next steps, like how do we go about doing this? How can we form a structure? And and again, uh, with any kind of Christian community, you want to be really uh, you know, uh, rooted in your prayer life, in the word of God, and in authority and in obedience. Uh, so you want to make sure that all these things are in place and then just seeking help that you can find uh, in the wider church, in the wider community to find help to put these things together. Other than, uh, you know, the Alleluia community and the FMC, what are some other, you know, influences on uh, your, your journey in the church here? You know, you mentioned Father Dubay. Uh, is there any other, you know, figures or writers that have been really influential in your life? Uh, I, it's funny that you asked. I just picked up a book I had been wanting to read. And it's funny, we just had the in the Catholic Church the Feast of the Transfiguration. And uh, Father Kantlamesa, now Cardinal Kantlamesa's books have really been very inspirational to me. Um, just seeing his own journey as, you know, as a papal preacher, as a, a Franciscan Capuchin priest, just to see his journey and his own uh, life in the Holy Spirit. Like he talks about it in his books about how he had uh, his own baptism of the Holy Spirit experience in New Jersey. And uh, just talks about really a spirit-filled life. And all his writings uh, on so many different varied topics have really been a blessing to me. Uh, and like I said, right now I've picked up a book on his that I had in, in my collection on the Transfiguration. And that's really been blessing me. And just this call uh, that St. Paul says even in Scripture to a renewal of the mind, like how we need to be living as Christians uh, 
if you're a Christian, you're supposed to live in opposition to the world and to be led by the Spirit and not to be focused on worldly desires and worldly ways of thinking and acting. So, yeah, and that, that calls us to be transformed, uh, just like Jesus does. The same word that they use for transformation is the same word in, in, in the Greek that was used for transfiguration. So we're called to really live a transfigured life as Christians, to be like Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, that's really been helpful right now to know that as a Christian, I'm called to a higher standard. I'm not supposed to live like the people around me in the world and pursuing worldly things. So no, uh, Father Cantlemes is one uh, definite person uh, that I would read. Dr. Mary Healy's books too. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. No, I'm not. Uh, she's uh, she's one of the people in the Pontifical Council of Scriptures. Uh, she's based out of the seminary in Detroit, Michigan at Sacred Heart Seminary. And a lot of her books too, she's actually now the curriculum advisor for Encounter Ministry. So a lot of the things that, you know, that we use in our curriculum is things that she's either vetted or thought Um and uh, she's a scripture scholar and also a theologian. So a lot of her books, one of her books that I read right at the beginning is on healing. And it talks about doing the things that Jesus did. Because wherever you see Jesus preach the gospel, he also demonstrates the gospel. Uh, when he talks about, you know, the father loving you, he demonstrate that, demonstrates that with uh, either a deliverance or with the healing of a person in a physical sense. Like if they had a withered hand, he'll heal that withered hand. If they had leprosy, he says, be healed and they're healed. So you see a tangible demonstration which touches the person in a very deep, unique way. When he says, Jesus uh, says to the person, God loves you, he demonstrates that love of the Father in a tangible way to the person who is receiving that love. So yeah, just yeah, those those are some of the people that I've been reading recently. Uh, and there's a, a ton more. But uh, Father Cantlamesa, now Cardinal Cantlamesa, and Dr. May Healy are some, some of those people. I've never actually managed to read anything by Father Cantalamesa, but I remember listening to the last uh, sermon that he gave to Pope Francis and being very impressed with him. Right. right. And he has a, like, you could have a library of just his books. It's so, so uh, in, uh, wide, uh, uh, just the range of the books that he's written uh, and, and so many different topics that he covers. But especially about the, you know, the life in the Holy Spirit. And he talks about, you know, just the, the book of Acts and how we need to leave that. One of the books I recommend this trade off would be Sober Intoxication of the Spirit. I was going to recommend it to someone recently. Uh, but that's the book, Sober Intoxication of the Spirit. And it's uh, his own, you know, journey into this life of the Holy Spirit. And just seeing that, you know, he's been asked by the last three popes to be the paper preacher and his own journey and his own simplicity as a Franciscan priest and humility as well. Um, yeah, just profound. He's in fact also uh, the ecclesiastical advisor assistant to the, the, the global charismatic renewal that Pope Francis appointed him. Um, so, so yeah, I, I really recommend his books. And Dr. Healy too, yeah, if you get a chance to look her up too. She's been a, a frequent, uh, you know, uh, contributed to many different Catholic publications. Uh, she's on Ascension Presents. She's on some of uh, Saint Augustine Institute's, uh, you know, teaching series. So you will find her too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for those recommendations. What um, as you're getting getting involved with the Alleluia community, what is their like day to day operations look like as far from a member's point of view? Uh, so yeah, they have, uh, usually on a Tuesday, they have these small support groups that meet, uh, and on Wednesdays, uh, they kind of keep it open for, you know, 
families that are either Protestant families that could be having, you know, community gatherings in their churches or most a lot of Catholics will have religious education on Wednesdays. Thursday night is like their general uh, community night. So either they'll have like a, a praise meeting or they'll have a, a full community gathering. So that's the night that's kept for them. And then sometimes they'll have different prayer meetings or they'll have a retreat. Uh, and so they keep keep people busy in different ways uh, with teachings um, and just with community activities that are planned out in, in different parts of the week. And, you know, like as we as we wind up here, do you have anything else you'd like to say about, you know, Christian, living Christian community from your experience, things that have struck you um, as, you've, as you've experienced these two different aspects of, of community life? Yeah, I would highly encourage people to, you know, either to be part of a community that already exists, uh, to to seek community if you don't have access to community or to seek to form some kind of an intentional community, even if it's a few of, you know, uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord that want to just be a little bit more uh, involved in your faith life. I would really encourage that and, uh, and seek, you know, uh, similar-minded people seek people within your parish or, or your, your your area uh, that are looking to live this kind of a life in the Lord. And uh, I'd also, like I said earlier, to uh, be under obedience. So, you know, talk to your pastors, talk to your uh, people that are in authority over you and let them know of what you're trying to do. They might even have some kind of encouraging advice or they might know something or may be able to set you up with something. Um but I would highly encourage it and just go all out, uh, you know, read books by Father Dubey about just being more intentional about even like things like gospel poverty. And, uh, and, and yeah, that helps you because when you try to do uh, a Christian life on your own, uh, it can be challenging. But if you're in a community of people seeking the Lord together, your prayer life deepens, uh, your service to others, uh, those in need that as Pope Francis has been calling us to go out, uh, you know, beyond, uh, the margins of our church beyond the four walls of our church and to open our doors and to be a field hospital uh you really need an active community to do that because you can't do it alone so yeah that's a really good uh, closing point because one of the reasons i started this website is because of the fear that building community and reaching out to the world will be seen as opposites when they're so fundamentally connected that you know like an, in, an individual right. cannot effectively evangelize the world and, but a community, of course, that closes itself in from the world might as well not exist from a Christian standpoint. So thanks so much for joining us today and, and sharing your thoughts. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Malcolm. It's a blessing. Thank you for your invitation to be on this podcast. You're welcome. Have a great rest of your day. You too, Malcolm. Thank you. Thank you.